You are you now, are now listening, listening to, to The War the Report, Report. Wednesday, Wednesday Night, night War, war. Room. Room. With your host, host. C-Dose. C-Dose. It's your boy C. The Walker. Well, I got my boys with me. Mike, Mike. G. G. Get your weight up. Strength and conditioning. Development. Ice Jones. Jones. Stop thinking with your emotions and watch the tape. And be real. Which is not normal for me. It's taking something out of me. Are you are ready? Because we are now we are locked and loaded, loaded, loaded for the Wednesday, for the Wednesday night, night war. Let's go! War Eagle, everyone. Happy Hump Day. Hope you guys are doing well. Welcome to the Wednesday Night War Room. Guys, you know you know the drill. If you're the uninitiated and you're not sure what to do, please smash that like button. Drop a War Eagle in the comment section. If you are new to the War Report and you're watching us live for the first time, please be sure to drop your city and state. We want to hear from you guys. And please be sure to share our content and our video. You know what to do. If you're on social media, please drop the hashtag, get your weight up. That that will help us out a ton, actually. So please be sure to do that. And uh, we have access to a great resource tonight in Brian Matthews. Yeah. Welcome, sir. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. It's great to be on the War Report. Uh, so excited to get going. I loved y'all's introductions and in, in the opening. That was great stuff. Oh, thank yeah. you, man. Thank you. You, we, we, we try. We try. Listen, man. How's it been so far, man? Has it been kind of quiet this time of year for you guys as you're gearing up for the season, or is it pretty steady for you? Well, June was kind of crazy. Uh, you had that 15 month dead period. It sort of opened up and just blew up with a number of visits, prospects coming in, but. You know, from a news situation, it's not been extremely busy. You know, there hasn't been a whole bunch of recruiting news until the last couple of days. And uh, they've been busy in the transfer portal, I'd say, overall. And not a lot of team news right now. The the, the team's just doing their uh, own sort of captain's practices, uh, players, player-led practices and stuff and working out. But um, it'll really start going uh, once August 1st hit and hits and practice starts. Well, you already mentioned it, man. Let's Let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about it. We got a lot of recruiting uh, information to talk about, starting with uh, a commitment that happened today. Uh, Auburn gets uh, tight end Micah Riley Ducker. Uh, he commits four-star tight end, according to uh, AuburnSports.com. Uh, it's from Bellevue, Nebraska. Six-foot-six kid, big kid, 235 pounds. And we earn his commitment over the likes of Iowa, Iowa State, and Illinois. I believe those are some of the the, the biggest competitors I'm Thinking uh, Illinois and Iowa, some of the big, the two bigger ones, but we managed to get him to commit to us just this evening, and this makes this kid the. I think this is uh, the fifth recruit of our yeah the fifth kid that that committed to us. So I want to know from you, uh, what is Auburn getting? I watched some I watched some film of them, uh, some some highlight videos, but they are just highlight videos. So by your own estimation and covering this kid, what what is Auburn getting from this guy? Because after next season, we're returning Tyler Fromm, Brandon Frazier, Luke Dill, Landon King. Those are some young guys. Uh, they'll Three of those guys will be upperclassmen going into next season. So tight end could be a position of need, definitely. And this guy would fill that need. So what are we getting in this kid? Well, watch the film, right? Uh, I think when you when you do watch the film, you're going to see a guy who's pretty athletic, got really good hands, and plays physical. He's 6'6", 235 now. I think he's going to be 255, 260 by the time he hits his second year at Auburn, probably. Um, and I think he's a guy that if, if you're running a system, which I think Auburn will, where they feature the tight end, they want a guy that can be on the field for most of the snaps, whether you're running the ball passing. I think he's that guy. I think he can be the complete tight end. I think he has all the attributes and I love how physical he plays, even though when you look at him, he's not real beefy yet. You know, he, he's got the length, he's got the uh, frame for it, but he's still got to bulk up a little bit. So I really like that about him uh, when you project to what he can be here in a couple of years. Mm. Listen, Brian, so this is our first recruit outside of the Southeast. That's right. Now, we make a big deal about how our last coach didn't seem to leave the Southeast a whole lot for recruiting. And we talked to our athletic director about uh, giving this new coach the resources to expand our recruiting footprint to try to go get four-star talent um, that maybe you're not competing with Alabama and Georgia and Clemson for, but you know can be just as effective. 
Um, can you talk about the significance of landing a kid so far out of our normal recruiting footprint? I think it's very significant. I think that's one of the things I'm going to write about uh, on Monday uh, when I do my little uh, column. You're and welcome. the reason I think it's significant, thank you, is because it is outside the region. And this is not a place where Auburn normally goes and gets recruits, uh, Nebraska. And if you look at Auburn's recruiting before Brian Harson, they did stick to Georgia, Florida, Alabama, mostly in the surrounding states. That's where Auburn's had its most success. That's where Auburn's got its best players. But they were getting their tails whipped by Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Florida, Florida State, et cetera. Um, so if that's going to happen, or if that's going to, at least for now, right, if, that, if that's still happening, if you want to go get good players, would you rather take an average player from Georgia or go maybe to California or Nebraska or, you know, they had a guy from Queens come in, a defensive tackle, who eventually chose a Penn State, but still they, Auburn was second or third on his list. Or would you rather go get a, a kid that could be a potential All-SEC player, even if he is from, you know, somewhere out of that region? I think that's what the staff is doing to start out with. And as they establish the program, as they start producing more NFL players, start having more success on the field, if that does happen, then they can go back into those areas and start competing a little bit better head-to-head with those uh, top schools right now. Not to say that Auburn's abandoned Alabama or Georgia. Uh, I just think um, for the top kids, especially guys they don't have those relationships with, like, say, a Nick Saban or a Kirby Smart might have a two- or three-year relationship with a 2022 kid from Georgia or Alabama right now. Brian Harson doesn't have that. So for the first year or two, I think they really have to put a big emphasis on national recruiting. So um, there's not a whole lot on tape in terms of tight end usage at right. Auburn. So what, what did we sell this kid? I mean, are we showing him tapes of tight end usage of Boise? You know, what's our staff saying to a tight end that says Auburn is the place for you? Well, I think you can double him up on that. You can show him Boise. And, and Brian Harson did feature the tight end a lot in his offense. And then you can show him Mike Bobo. Uh, he's used a tight end uh, a lot in a similar way as Harson throughout his career. And, uh, you know, they brought um, Micah in, I guess it was a third week uh, in June for an mm-hmm. official visit. So they got to sit him down and show him exactly what they've done in the past and what their plans for were for him in this offense and uh, how we would fit and what they want to do. And, you know, I do think when you look at Auburn this season, you know, if you look at the skill position, obviously Tank is the best player on the team. But after that, offensively, the tight ends might be, you know, the best opportunities to, to make plays, to, to make, uh, um, you know, things happen in the receiving game a, a lot of times, you know, while, while the inexperienced receivers come along. So I think this is an offense they're going to build around uh, good tight ends, and I think he's a good start. And the other thing I will add, you know, the, the teams, Iowa, Iowa State, and Illinois is not going to um, excite a lot of people. But, and I think this has been talked about by a lot of people, but worth mentioning again is, Iowa has done a great job recruiting and developing tight ends for uh, it seems like decades now. And they've got a number of uh, former hot guys in the NFL right now. So if there's a kid that Iowa is very interested in and recruits hard, uh, you know, he's probably a pretty good tight end. Mm. Yeah. And I think Illinois had, uh, what was the guy who coached Arkansas? They got him out of Wisconsin. Uh, uh, Brett Bilma. Brett Bilma. Yeah. I mean, uh, he featured a tight end. So these are guys who, who have a history with tight ends. So for, for Auburn to get him over those guys is saying a lot. Um, what do you think in terms of realistically, we know that we can, you know, winning games will help in terms of recruiting. But, you know, we, we talked to uh, another guy uh, on a show we did several weeks ago about what recruits need to see. Right. And gone are the days where you can just tell a kid anything and not show and prove on the field. If, if I'm a recruit, if I'm a tight end specifically, yeah, I need to see I need to see tight ends getting the ball or at least an attempt at the offense to try to, right? So yep. in terms of of featuring a tight end moving forward and getting kids like the one we just got today, realistically, what does Bobo and Harson need to do in terms of of creating opportunities for tight ends in your opinion? Well, I think number one, they need to start throwing to the tight end and not just you know, simple little routes, but stretching the field with him a little bit. Um, mm. And I think we're going to see, because Auburn's got a pretty deep tight end uh, room, that we're going to see more than one on the field at times, you know, and, and use them a different way. So I think you'll see the versatility of what Auburn has in the tight end room uh, this season. And I think going forward as, you know, Micah gets here and they start developing like a Brandon Frazier, who I think eventually, not quite yet, but eventually could be that complete 
uh, you know, three, four down tight end type guys. So I think as those guys come along, you'll see Auburn have those NFL potential NFL tight ends that'll attract other highly rated guys. And, um, you know, the other thing I would talk about as far as recruiting, what they need to show uh, this season, and I do think it's important early on, especially, um, you know, they need to win, number one, but they also need to be competitive against the bigger teams, right? You don't need Georgia to come into Jordan-Hare Stadium and just whip Auburn up and down the uh, field and, and own the line of scrimmage like they did a year ago and like they've done many, many times in the last decade or so. You know, you don't need to go down to LSU and, and just lay an egg. Um, you know, I know Auburn hasn't won there in 22 years, so it's not reasonable necessarily to expect Auburn to uh, break that in the first season of a Harson. Maybe something happens crazy, but um, you want to be competitive in those games and not look like you're outmanned. I was actually going to uh, jump out here, and right before we went on, I jumped on our Twitter account to say that I thought that he was not picking Auburn off of no intel because you know we don't do recruiting intel, but the fact that we were the right most hat out of four and that nobody ever picks the hat furthest away from them. But he broke the rule and he picked the hat furthest away. So I had to own up to that incorrect uh, prediction, but that was out the gate. But um, we know Harson, their expertise, like you've already said, they don't have connections down here yet. But is this perhaps, outside of the the offense being what, what you know, they favor tight ends with their offense, both Bobo and Harson, is it perhaps some of Harson's expertise in the region? Was it, you know, some of his old connections or some of the staff that he has here now? Is it him reaching back to the to the home country to, to grab some guys from out of the southeast? I think you'll see that. I don't know if that um, I don't know if he had a previous relationship with Mike or not or or, or Brad Bedell, the, the tight end coach who was the primary recruiter for him, did beforehand. But um, I think their connections to that area of the country and then they got guys like Bobo and Zach and uh, Carnell uh will that all have connections in the southeast of course but a lot of those guys have those west coast uh midwest type connections too which i think they will use um and the name is casey but they had a, a kid from uh portland uh, several kids from oregon and washington come down for official visits and well uh, the receiver, receiver was one of them i think yeah the receiver from portland was the one i was thinking of whose name is casey at the moment but um he's a kid that left auburn it seems like auburn's in a really good place for him um you know, after that official visit. So I think you're going to see Auburn land several of these out of the um, area, out of their normal recruiting um, states here uh, in the coming uh, weeks and months. That kid concerns me uh, now that name, image, and likeness has been passed. And I think I heard about a kid who's now making six figures because of his deal with Nike. I just, I wonder, can we steal kids, big recruits out of that area? Clemens, I think uh, Jason Hill just comment on his name like does that concern you how uh how that can shift the recruiting battle based on the possibility of name image and likeness in your opinion not a lot now i think this first year is going to be kind of weird right there's going to be some surprises and you know maybe one school can do one thing or one conference can do another you know and i think eventually everybody will figure it out and it'll be more even across states and across conferences and such um but i think overall you know, uh, the same schools are going to be able to compete just as well as they have before, right. whether that's uh, money over the table or from some other areas that it's always been. You know, I don't I don't know if that happens or not, but if right. it does, you know, this doesn't really change it. Right. 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 Yes. So, hey, um, listen, I, Miami has a gym owner yep. that is giving every single player five hundred dollars a month out the that. gate. If you are on the roster, you are getting five hundred dollars a month from this gym owner. Now. I'm thinking about my time at Auburn <laughs> and the businesses have changed, but some of the names are the same. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think, you know, if this was in my time, Brian, it, it, we joked about this. Every player would have been an official sponsor of Colonial Bank, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yellowwood. Right. Like we all know right. the names. So I'm sure we're going to talk about it later, but this is something to keep an eye on because now kids have this extra calculus that they're trying to do. And determining where to go because it's not just about who gives me the best opportunity to make it to the league. It's which area has crazy donors that will sponsor us to essentially not do much. True, yeah. true. And, you know, there may be, you know, I, I think there's already in some states or, or areas um, rules about boosters to a school not being able not being allowed to, to do an NIL deal. Whether right. that's going to be legal or not, I don't know. It, 
but I think that's something that's going to work out. But yeah, I just, I just have a feeling that um, I think this is really important for the kids, right? That they, they, they should have had this 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen it, you know, over the past week, you're, you're seeing all these great deals. You're wondering what, why is this such a big deal? Why did we make, why did we have to go to the um, Congress and testify against it? Why do we have to fight this, you know, in the courts for, for years and decades and, you know, what's wrong with these kids getting that, you know, what they're due, right? So I, I don't think it's necessarily going to affect um, schools' ability to recruit and, and schools' ability to build rosters to a high degree, you know, make a big difference. I think the changes to the transfer portal and the one-time transfer rule has had a much bigger impact on actually, you know, building rosters and, and, and playing the game and uh, competing each week. Mm. Well, the deal. Well, listen, we we've we've talked about Michael Riley Ducker. I'm 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 excited about the potential and the ceiling this kid uh, brings with him to the plains, and uh, hopefully he's a he's a good one for us. However, prior uh, the day before, we had our first commitment since February, ending like a four month yep. drought recruiting wise for this recruiting class. Uh, according to Cole's Kicking Camp, the number one place kicker. Uh, in the 2022 class, Alex McPherson uh, actually committed uh, out of Fort Payne, Alabama. And I think he has some SEC offers as well. Um, but he commits to the good guys. And he's the first commitment since Powell Gordon, I think, of That's Auburn right. High. That's right. So uh, up until this point, um, there were a bunch of Auburn fans ready to wave the white flag and were panicking. And after this, this commitment today, and I just checked, I don't know if it's updated, but Auburn currently, and I know it's July, I know it's July 7th, but Auburn currently has the 80th recruiting class um, in college football. So what I what, what inquiring minds want to know, Brian, Yes, is it time to just bang on the panic button or gently press it? What, 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 I mean, what say you? <laughs> If I was an Auburn fan right now, I would I would tear my clothes off and run outside and scream because I'm so panicked about it. <laughs> Go streaking? <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, I think there was cause for concern. I'm glad that this is Wednesday, not Monday. I'm on your show, right? Because they finally have broken that streak and got going mm-hmm. here. And, you know, I think Mike O'Reilly uh, Ducker is a big pickup and he helps out a lot. But um, sure, it's it would be stupid of me to come on here and say there's not reasons for concern. And um it hasn't gone as well as you want it to be as far as getting the commitments. What did go well though, is, is getting those kids in for visits. They got a number of really good players in for unofficial and official visits, including kids in the 2023 and 24 classes, which is really important for these guys to start building those relationships. So from that point and and the camps too, um, I think things went really well in June. They just have not quite um, got the payoff for that yet. So it's worth being concerned about it, but it's also um, as a guy who's, cover recruiting for a couple decades now you know and followed it for even longer way back when you called the 900 numbers and did all that crazy stuff you know there are just a couple magazines out there and radio shows uh (laughs) before youtube and stuff existed Uh, i would say you know you never know what's going to happen you can always have a week where you get like three or four or five commitments and get on a run and things suddenly start looking rosy where a week before it didn't and you can already see that happening uh this week you know and there's some guys like um uh, Demari Austin, the uh, running back from uh, Woodward Academy, mm. is a guy to keep a close eye on. He's a top target. He's a good um, four-star. I'm, I'm not sure if he's a high four-star or mid four-star, but he's a good um, tailback with a lot of quality offers. That would be a great pickup for Auburn, I think. Um, and then Demetrius Robertson is another guy who's not a recruit necessarily, but is a guy to keep an eye on here. Um, the former five-star was at California, then I think Georgia, uh, is now looking to transfer for one more year, and, and Auburn could be his uh, landing spot. So there's could be some more coming, more information coming uh, this week or early next week. Hayden's story as well. Um, yeah. I think he he's set to commit August first, I believe. Yep. Okay. Right. right. Hey, listen, you, you touched on on Demetrius Robinson. Is this is this a uh, recruiting priority for this staff? Um, I, I'm in the camp that believes it's not time to hit the panic button at receiver. But again, fan chatter is that we need to go out and get somebody in the portal to get some experience because we're only returning like 15% of our yardage right. from last year. So there is not a lot. And that's the least amount I think that we've returned in the last 10 years. You know, I was in your same camp uh, before spring practice. And then sort of the feedback we got uh, through the staff was that, um, 
that was an area that they were really sort of disappointed in, I guess is the word. Maybe that's a little mm. bit too harsh, but the area that needed the most work coming out of spring was that receiver position. And they thought maybe having a veteran guy um, who had been in a system more similar to what they want to do would be helpful. Uh, I think that position, more so than any other position on the team, is making the most adjustments from the Malzahn offense to what Harson wants to do. I, I just think it was really simple uh, for them before, and it's much more sophisticated now. They have to make um, many more decisions at the line of scrimmage and, and pre-snap, maybe even post-snap, I don't know, right? Yeah. Um, than they did before. So um, I think that is an area they'd like to help. And I don't know how much Demetrius Robinson can help, but um, uh, he does have potential explosive ability. He certainly didn't get it done his last year at Georgia. Uh, I did some check-in. I talked to some folks over there, and they said he, he's not like a bad kid or anything, not a troublemaker. Um, he just um, had a tough spring, got passed by uh, some freshmen um, during spring practice. And, you know, he needed to be a little bit more physical in the running game, I think, for them. Uh, so maybe that's an area he can improve on for Auburn. I don't know. But, um, you know, sometimes when you fail and you know this is your last shot, you know, and you have um, expectations and goals to play on the next level. Yeah, that could be a high motivational factor. So right. he's not a guy I would say nailed it. This guy's going to kick butt, but he's also not a guy I, I would say that you know he's this kid has no chance. I, I'd say let's see what he can do. Maybe he can uh, turn things around and really help out Auburn a lot. Mm. Oh, we got a question here uh, from Gregory Lawrence, and he's asking. We already mentioned uh, Demario Austin. His question is, will we actually take two running backs? And I know there's another three-star kid that we're actually looking at. I think he's in this state. Uh, yep. Can you speak to that? Yeah, Quinn. I think it's Quinshawn uh, Judkins. I'm not sure how I pronounce his first name. He's from uh, Pike Road, Alabama, which is uh, just east of uh, Montgomery, not far at all from Auburn. I think he came in for an unofficial visit, uh, if I remember, early in June. Uh, maybe mid-June. And uh, I do think that um, there's a good possibility Auburn may try to roll out a, a couple running backs in this class. Uh, I think they're really high on Jarquez Hunter. You lose um, Shivers after this year. You know Tank is going to be gone after his junior year. Right. So it might be a good idea to try to take two. If you can get two good ones or, or one good one and one with the potential to be a really good one, uh, you go ahead and do that now. And then maybe uh, try to go for that home run a kid in the 2023 class when Tank is a junior and they're seeing all the things he's capable of doing in this offense. Uh, Brian, I want to ask a question while we're on running backs. So uh, the question about whether we take two running backs, and we know that there are some high-profile targets in there, but in terms of what we have in front of us now, are you getting a sense that Jarquez Hunter is primed to take the number two spot from Sean Shivers? That's an interesting question because... Um, I've sort of been in on Shivers his whole career, but the, as I've watched him develop and I watched him this spring, I think, number one, he fits this offense perfectly because Shivers is not what I thought he was coming out of high school. I thought he was the quick scat back, put him in space, make people miss guy. He's not. He's a power back all the way, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, this offense, I think, fits him. Fits his cut and go and, and try to run over that linebacker or safety that's twice his size, but he still does it anyway. Uh, so I think he's a good fit in this offense. So I would expect maybe him to have a pretty good year. But I, I am really high on Jarquez Hunter. I think the coaching staff and Carnell is really high on him too. So I think he's going to win the number three job and push Shivers. But I'm not ready to say he's going to beat out Shivers because I'm, I'm, I'm high on Shivers and what he could do as a senior in this offense. Sidebar, before we get to the, to the midway point, how close were we to actually losing Shivers because there was rumors about him potentially hitting the portal right. uh, during all of this transition. Was there any any substance to that rumor months ago? Because it seems like he bought in fairly quick once the staff got here. But was 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 his was he in any doubt at one point in time? You know, that is something I don't have a good answer for. I've, I've not talked to Sean about that, so I don't know uh, what he was thinking or if he was looking to, to leave. I think... Um, had it been a different situation, you know, had those two guys not left the program uh, and transferred away, had Gus not, um, you know, been fired and brought in Harson, maybe it would have been time for him to move on, right? Because he was probably going to get passed by uh, those guys. But I think um, uh, this offense and the way it's formulated sort of fits him really good. And I think uh, all things being equal, he wanted to stay at Auburn. I think he loves it here. Uh, so I think it's worked out best for him and Auburn. Yo, what's up? This your man Ike Jones with The War Report, and you've been listening to The War Report Wednesday Night War Room. 
you want to get in on the conversation early, catch us as we broadcast this show live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on YouTube. Make sure you check out our other content while you're there, Facts and All, The Weekend Tailgate, our player interview series, Building Rapport, going strong. All right, enough of that. Let's get back to the show. Uh, let's get back to some of these questions, man. We have a great resource with us tonight, Brian Matthews. Again, thanks again for taking time out of your schedule to join us and hang out with the War Report family. Uh, Brian Matthews, as far as I'm concerned, is an adopted member of our family. So yeah. we're going to use you while you're here, sir. Uh, we've been right. seeing and, and shout out to to one of our one of our uh, one of our family members, James Coleman, War Eagle. He has a question, and people have been asking us about this kid. I don't know if there's any any substance to this at all, but people want to know about the the left tackle who entered the port right. out of LSU. Who it was also a rumor that a that TJ Finley was trying his hardest to try to bring him to Auburn as well. What's the deal with this story? Is there any any substance to this, or what's what's going on? Yeah, Dare Rosenthal. You know when he first uh, jumped in the portal and he was going to be uh, LSU's uh, starting left tackle. He ran into some off-the-field issues there. Uh, I don't know all the specifics. Um, if it's um, if it's just uh, you know weed-related or whatever, I say who cares? You know why are we even testing these kids for that anymore? But that's just my opinion. The facts, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Auburn is interested. But I think Auburn, a lot of schools are doing their homework on him first. That's mm-hmm. why you haven't really heard much at all from him. I know when he first jumped in there, a lot of uh, guys that seemed to know nationally or our connections to Baylor um, mentioned that Baylor was, was a team to watch there. So maybe that is the case, but I, I think Auburn is showing some interest. I don't know how serious that interest is yet, but um, me personally, I'd be all over it as long as it's, you know, nothing serious as far as off the field issues, you know, involving, you know, some, you know, something other than, you know, possibly um, a positive drug test or something. Um, which again, I, I just I think it's ridiculous that the Olympics um, test for weed is yeah. not a performance enhancer. I think the same with, with college athletics. I just don't see what the big deal is. Uh, they don't test people drinking. Why test for weed? So yeah, listen. With, with uh, NIL, the NCAA is running out of ridiculous reasons to suspend kids. <laughs> yeah. Is how it's working here. So I, yep. I hope that that's one that we can check off the list as well, too. I'm I'm in your camp. If it's not, you know, some serious team violation in, or it's not criminal and it's just some ridiculous rule, bring this guy in. Uh, we did a, Brian, we did a breakdown on offensive line, our blue chip ratio along the offensive line. And last year, only 20% of our line four or five stars on the roster. You know, the the schools at the top are, you know, in the 70s in terms of their percentage of blue chips. And so bringing that kind of experience in could be massively helpful to an offensive line that has been much maligned over the last couple of years. You know, uh, we have, have had no, was it freshman tackles or guards recruited since 2017? Uh, there's just not a lot of development happening. And they are taking in the court of public opinion, a lot of the blame for why our quarterback has struggled. Mm-hmm. So they definitely have had their challenges. I'm not absolving them at all, but getting a, getting an experienced left tackle in here and, and, and shifting some guys around and maybe bolstering this offensive line would, would definitely be a huge lift for Brian Harson in his first year, I think. I'm not sure there's a position you could upgrade more on this Auburn roster left tackle, and that's not a shot at anybody on this roster mm-hmm. um, or, or any current left tackles. I just think that's a position that if you look at the pass blocking there, I, I think not only did it struggle at that position in right tackle too, mm-hmm. but I, I think there was a lack of confidence in that position to um, be above average. And, and that lack of confidence really affected the offense altogether, especially Bo Nix, which I don't know, that's probably a whole nother hour. We could talk about all that, but uh, <laughs> I, hey, I'd be all over there at Rosenthal <laughs> at that left tackle position. If, if yeah. it was my decision, but I don't have all the facts about uh, what went on at LSU. Mm. Well, I'm pretty sure. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was going to say, uh, if it's disciplinary, what is your sense on Brian Harson and bringing in kids with possible disciplinary issues in the past? I mean, because all we hear is that he's no nonsense, work hard work. He's he's not here for the games. You know, right. football be, may, may be a game to us, but it's not a game to Brian Harson. What do you think about him going after kids like this? Big on culture. Talks about that a lot, right? 
and he's tried to remake or, or redo Auburn's culture since he arrived and make them a little bit more blue collar, a little bit more tougher. Uh, mm-hmm. That certainly changed the way they uh, work out and go through winter workouts and summer workouts. And that's, uh, I think we maybe saw a little bit of that in the spring. I mean, Nick Brom's a great example of that. I, I thought he was actually getting some some push at the line of scrimmage, which I haven't necessarily seen from him before. So uh, I thought you saw a difference already there. Um, so that's interesting because if you have enough culture in your program, you can afford to take a chance on a kid because mm-hmm. those guys will pull him up, right? If you don't, if you've got too many of those kids, and I'm not saying that Dare is a bad kid. I don't know that, but mm. – Right. Let's, but if you have enough of those, then it'll bring the rest of them down, right? Then it becomes an issue. So uh, it's, it's a balance, and I, I don't know where Auburn sort of stands with that or where he feels about it, but it is definitely 100% a priority because I think he's probably said the word culture 100 times in all the interviews we've had with him since he uh, arrived on Christmas Eve or our, since our first press conference on Christmas Eve, I guess I should say. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's um, – definitely something that they will really look at to clo- look into closely. Mm. And, and, you know, it's a coin flip with these kids because the hope is that this lights a fire under him to actually prove himself wherever he lands. Right. Should right. it be Auburn that he has a chip on his shoulder and I'm out to prove that whatever you heard about me is not true. I'm here to work. And let's right. just hope that that pans out and Brian Harson and the sta- and staff sees that. Now right. you mentioned that a potential landing spot for him being Baylor Auburn has a guy who left the team and entered the portal just last month going to Baylor and Hal Presley. Uh, He wasn't here very long. So uh, he was a recent, he was a kind of a late addition uh, in the recruiting class because he was committed to Baylor previously. Uh, Decommitted late October, committed early November, somewhere in there. Uh, Got to campus in June. Apparently didn't like it. Was back home. Any any thoughts on what was was going on there? Any any intel you have on on that situation? Yeah, he was just homesick and uh, had a girlfriend uh, there that he wanted to get back to. That's, uh, I think that was it. And that that happens. Hey, we've all been there at that age, right? You know, it may not that may seem trivial to me now. Like, come on, dude. Man, but, listen, yeah. bro, get uh, your bag, man. <laughs> but I, I don't think I think he liked it at Auburn and everything I think everything was fine on that end I, I just think he was wanting to get closer to home and closer to that girlfriend so mm. oh, well. well I hope it works out right yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> maybe well, she's the same. one right for, for Baylor and the girl I, I, <laughs> I certainly hope so uh, we were a lot of fans were really excited about the possibility of how Presley cracking this starting lineup uh, this fall with all the things uh, based on what you said about wide receiver being, you know, likely a disappointing, a disappointment of the spring. Now, I certainly didn't feel that way at all. I still think we are massively talented at wide receiver. We're just raw. They, there's not a ton of experience there. And what I'm hoping is, is that the system will help scheme these kids open and get them the ball. Because that's something that we didn't do. Uh, you said something that was interesting earlier that I kind of want to jump back to about how of all the positions on offense, they're going through the biggest change from the last regime to the new one. And I don't know if there's a truer statement because they're going from running either go routes or bubble screens to actually having to find holes in the zone and like, and do some different things offensively. So, you know, kind of moving forward here with, with, with Brian Harson, you know, we're talking, a lot has been made about quarterback development, but uh, wide receiver development has been, in my book, just as big an issue. Uh, and and system has hurt everybody, I think. I think I'm really excited to see what this new system can do if it's, you know, prioritize, if it's actually utilizing tight ends. You know, uh, I, I would have liked to have kept Hal Presley. Uh, I was a little disappointed in that loss. Yeah. But between Capers and uh, Canyon and Malcolm Johnson Jr. and Javaris Johnson, uh, you know, I just feel like we've got enough talent there to make some noise. Just my, just my thoughts. Uh, no, I, I agree with you. I, I like the, the baseline talent there. And I think uh, especially a lot of Elijah and, and Xavion and um, I, I love Kobe Hudson coming out of high school. Mm, so I, I'm not going to say that he can't be a, a really good, a great player eventually. You know, I just, it'll be interesting to see who really steps up there. I thought Hal Presley was a, potential eventual number one receiver in this mm-hmm. offense maybe not right away but right. Uh, maybe after a year or two 
Um, but the other thing I, I should have mentioned when I, when I talked about the receiver position is it is the one that has to make the most adjustment, but it is a position that can make the most improvement over summer because they can go out there every day with Bo Nix and TJ Finley and run routes and run the offense and catch balls and do all the things they need to do uh, and, and work on those checks and, and all, the, you know, all the adjustments they have to make and uh, their alignments they have to do now. So um, they can make the biggest uh, move up or, or jump up or, or improvement uh, during the month of June and July. And so maybe, you know, Cornelius Williams, when he, when he goes out there August 1st, sees a group that, wow, hey, you guys put in the work over, over the summer. I'm really proud of you. Now let's, let's keep moving forward. Got a question for you, uh, and shout out to James Barnett because this kind of fits here uh, for you, Brian. Do you think the tight ends will fill in for the receivers until they get some more reps or get their confidence or feet up under them? I do. I think they're going to um, feature those guys pretty early because I, I think a lot of that group, you know, I thought I thought, um, I thought uh, uh, the Deal kid had a really good spring. Luke Deal. Uh, yeah, showed that he could be a receiver, not just a blocker. Uh, I think John Samuel Shanker, watching him play baseball and football, I think he's an uh, underrated athlete. You know, he's better than people give him credit for, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Probably going to be your starting tight end. So, uh, yeah, I, th I think they'll probably uh, be out front a little bit more and then let the receivers come along. But, um, yeah, I don't think that means they're going to out-catch the receivers. You know, I, I still think, right. you know, you got to get it. you got to get it to those guys. I think Elijah Canyon, if you get the ball in his hands and space, he can make plays. He can bully your cornerback, right? We saw that in the uh, bowl game. Sure. Mm, uh, sure. I mean, I want to see what he can do in the SEC and in, in, in this season, you know, with another year of uh, working out and, uh, you know, some time in this new offense. Brian, the thing that excites me the most is that you have to account if you're an opposing defense, you now have to account for tight ends, which probably will take the pressure off of your wide receivers. Right. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing our offense actually spread the defense out and make them have to defend more guys than they're accustomed to. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, we have a question here from from Drew Hopper. Uh, appreciate you, man. Does recruiting rankings matter if we develop and produce on the field? We have averaged ninth in the nation the past eight years, and that didn't work out so well. What are your thoughts there? Well, I, th I think in rivals, it's been closer to 12 to 15 average. Um, but I can go back and look at that. I I'm going to make a lot of people angry because, yes, recruiting rankings absolutely matter. There's a reason that Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State put all these players in the NFL. It's because they sign a bunch of five stars and rivals 100 and high four-star players every single year. Sure, they develop them. Yes, that's a part of it. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, you name your five-star, he could go to um, Towson State and be drafted in the NFL and be a great player, right? He's just a great player coming out of high school. So they make a huge difference. That doesn't mean that you don't need to be good at evaluating, good at developing, too. But I think the most important thing that Brian Harsh or any college co coach can do is bring in talent. Right. Talent wins you football games, first and foremost. We've seen that with Alabama. That's why they've won all these championships. Uh, Nick Saban is a really good coach, but he's a really great, great recruiter. Um, yeah. So is Kirby Smart. He's not a great coach, I don't think, but he's a heck of a recruiter. Thank he's you. Got, <laughs> Thank he's gotten, you. He's gotten like close. You come he's back in. Really close, right? Really close. <laughs> but not quite there yet. Right. B ain't said three words tonight. You said that and he has come alive. I am, I am of, I am of the, the mindset that when you get an inordinate amount of talent that Georgia recruits, I don't, I don't want to give anybody too much, too many excuses. Yeah. You, you, Bama, that was a tough loss in championship game. This is the championship, whatever. Listen, man, you got the guys. When you get the guys, I think you have to make a way to get it done. And yep. he hadn't done that. So I'm I'm off the Kirby train until he wins one. It's 1980 was a long time ago, I'm telling you. Long time. Yeah, I mean, listen, we got to two at that time yep. and had another undefeated season. So I, I, I get it. Uh, in terms of whether stars matter or not, I think they matter more to guys who can't develop as well as right. some others. And what you're looking at in, in, at, in Alabama, at Alabama is, is that you've got a coach who is pretty good at both. He's above average at both. Excellent recruiter, above average developer. His process is, is, is pretty much undefeated here in terms of producing. And you know what? Something we don't talk about enough when you talk about a system that develops, evolving. When Nick Saban first got to Alabama, it was three yards in the cloud of dust with a game manager at quarterback. Yep. And now, he, he, Lane Kiffin was probably one of the best hires he ever made. 
I think, in terms of changing up what he's doing. And then everybody, instead of letting the game pass him by, which is what happened under Gus, you know, the, 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 the rule changes and things kind of caught, you know, slowed his system down. And then we didn't see an evolution of that offense right. at all. We didn't wow. see the evolution of that offense. And so the development couldn't happen because the system didn't fit the game as it became. And, and I, I want to see this because when Harson came on, a lot of people were just off their rocker talking about how he had a, a Brian what's called a multiple offense. And if I had one question for Harson, I would ask him to just, in his own words, describe what is that going to mean at Auburn? Because the last few years we've been run play action without a run game. This offense has not done well. Right. Right. And we have not been able to develop a passing game that can ease some pressure off a mediocre run game. So if you don't have a dynamic athlete, a quarterback and a good running back, we just haven't seen this offense really go. It's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how he utilizes the talent that he has because he doesn't have that talent that you're talking about right now to really go out and compete. So he's got to out develop and he's got to out coach other coaches in this league, at least for the first couple of years. Yep. He's got a great running back. Right. He's got an offensive line that can run block. I think fairly. They can run block. Yeah. Yeah, They can do that. They can do that. He's got a gunslinger quarter quarterback. Who's a little inconsistent, but can make plays and win games for you. Yeah. Uh, in the right situation. He's got some talent receiver that just needs to develop. And he's got some depth and some size and some ability at tight end. So I think they'll try to be smart about it. I think they will ball control a little bit, right? I, I mean, I think the defense is going to be pretty solid. I don't think mm-hmm. you can win championships just run the ball and winning defense like you could 15 or 20 years ago. No, you can't. Right. right. But uh, I think you can help yourself a little bit if you're not a, you know, a powerful offense uh, and put yourself in position to win maybe more games than you would if you just uh, goofed off and, and ran a bunch of um, uh, you know screen plays and, and throw the ball deep when nobody's there and, and get your quarterback sacked you know ten times a game or have him run run around you know the backfield trying to escape uh, uh, pressure all the time. Yeah, yeah. pressure. Uh, I, I really like that you described that as goofing off with the type of offense that we have been running for the last few years. Um, I, I appreciate that characterization. I do have a gust theory though. Okay, yes, yes, please. If in 2014 he had stuck with the dual threat quarterback, you know, the 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 um you know the Nick Marshall plan, right? If he would have gone out there and recruited a couple of those guys every year and said, Hey, we're gonna try you at quarterback. If it doesn't work out, you can play cornerback, wide receiver, whatever. But we're gonna bring in two two superstar athletes um that have played quarterback in high school and, and see what they can do. I think that offense would have still worked today. I think that was, I, I just think that was the perfect match of a scheme and, and the right player. And when he went to quarterbacks like Sean White and uh, Jeremy Johnson and Tyler, you know, yeah, Lamar all those Jackson, yeah, oh god, mm. yeah, mm. Lamar Jackson. I, I think you just I pissed can, off a good bit of people in our comment section bringing it up. Yeah, Brian. yeah. And let me tell you, so in 2015, um, I was in Atlanta on a business trip, and I convinced Caesar to drive up, and we got tickets to that Louisville Auburn game. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson didn't start that game. But I remember we were sitting by some Louisville fans and he got in and he didn't really do too much amazing, but it was, his athleticism was off the charts. I remember turning to one of their fans and be like, oh, who's that guy? He looks yeah. incredible. Like his right. talent ceiling is high. Yeah. And they were like, oh, that's Lamar Jackson. Now, I don't even think they understood the impact of what they said at the time. But he did play for a guy that... that traditionally knew what to do with quarterbacks. Yeah. And which yeah. will be the other charge that this is the number one thing I think that the fans are going to be looking for here, because if you ask me, Gus bet his career on all at Auburn on whether he could turn Bo Nix into, you know, a, a, a uh, all SEC quarterback. It didn't happen. And I blame Gus. I do too. I well, mean, he, he's, he's been, he hasn't been good with quarterback. You look at, Look at all the places Auburn's quarterbacks have transferred to. I think uh, one of the other beat writers put that on the uh, Twitter the other day, and it's just like, um, I mean, I'm not trying to rip these schools, but it was mostly, um, you know, mm-hmm. group of five, Division mm-hmm. two type schools. And, uh, yeah. and what about Malik Willis? He goes to Liberty now, and he's an NFL prospect, right? He gets some better coaching right, with, a, with a quarterback guru type, and now look where he is. So yeah, uh, the quarterback position, it can make a big difference, and I think Harson and Mike Bobo – combined can make Bo Nix a much better player. Right. Let, let me ask you this question. Uh, talking about staying on recruiting, we got a question here from by, by Ed Darby. 
what do you think, what do you make of Harson's approach, uh, Harson's recruiting system? He has a whole department that's dedicated to evaluating kids, roster management, and recruiting. What have been your thoughts so far in terms of his approach as opposed to Auburn's approach over the past eight years? I think it's the right way to do it. Um, and uh, he mentioned roster management, and that's exactly what it is now. It's not necessarily recruiting anymore because yeah. you got the transfer portal. And if you look what Auburn especially has done on defense, you know, they've they brought in a couple of defensive linemen, three defensive backs, and they added uh, the row kid, uh, the Juco signee late, mm-hmm. really helped themselves yeah. in the secondary. Um, and then I love Joko Willis's uh, future here as a junior college signee, not, not necessarily transfer, but um, they did a great job. And I think you're going to see Auburn have to have to do that a lot uh, in the coming years too. Um, it's just a great way if you're a team like Auburn, instead of going out there and signing a three-star and taking a chance on him, why not go out and sign last year's three-star or the three-star from two years ago that's gone to a, a, a Power 5 school and has done mm-hmm. really well. So you know he was one of those guys that actually was higher better than his rating right mm, uh, why take yeah. the chance when you can get the get the uh, you know not finished product but the but the guy you know is actually pretty good so i think you're gonna see auburn continue to do that i think it's a wise move and the position auburn is now um but it, back to recruiting i think he's setting up a system that you know if auburn starts winning and they start recruiting better that it can build on itself and get better and better he's got um he's got a really great system in place of analyst and um yeah, uh, you know, a, a great system when these kids come in to visit. Uh, very organized. Um, I think a lot of the kids talked about how you know most of their time was accounted for when they stepped on Auburn's campus. So mm. uh, I think he's got the right idea. We haven't seen the uh, we haven't seen it um, pay off for him yet, but I think it will. Do you think uh, Do you think that Hartson can win the state back from Alabama? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just to be honest, no, I do not. Mm. Not with Nick Saban there, you know. Yeah. I mean, Nick Saban doesn't have to try hard anymore. Right. I mean, right. And not not that he wouldn't, because obviously he is. I thought he's a very driven man. But I mean, you know, come to Alabama, win championships, go to the NFL. I've won this many championships. I've put this many pe- people in the NFL. Yeah. That's all he has to do to every top player in the state is go win a lot of those battles. Yeah, he's offering job placement in the NFL. Essentially, he's running a job placement program. Right. Up there, <laughs> it's uh, and, it's kind of ridiculous. It's a job yeah. fair. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I could go on a tangent about, um, you know, development. Uh, you know, the reason he's putting so many players in the NFL is because he's signing so many great players, right? If that mm, player, right. like I said, goes right. to Townsend, he can still develop into an NFL player. But if you've got that at Alabama, if you've got, you know, 10 or 11 guys going to the NFL every year, whatever it is, seven or eight, you're going to use that, and it works great. It's a great recruiting tool. Uh, so, yes, Auburn can still win battles, you know, with kids, especially kids that grow up uh, Auburn fans in the state, you know, or, or offer the playing time or, or whatever it is. And if they have success on the field and start winning, Saban's going to get older. He won't be there forever. Eventually, sure, they could. They could, but not right now. Mm-hmm. That's not realistic, I don't think. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think some of his more impressive recruiting pitches is a Mac Jones. Now, granted, Mac Jones was surrounded by a lot of four and five stars that was blocking and catching passes. Yep. But still, it's still an impressive way to recruit a five star is look what we did with this kid. So it's again, it's, it's rinse, wash and repeat for Nick Saban. But let me ask you this. We got a question about Big Blue and he wants to know, did we move Piggies too soon? especially with likelihood we rely on two tight end sets? That's a good question. Mm. Actually, I think they moved him just in time because oh. Jeremiah Wright was having a great spring. He, uh, I think he was going to be the starting nose guard. Yeah. And when he went down for, uh, with an injury, and that's probably going to keep him out the whole year, I would think, um, they needed some help there. And I think J.J. Pekis may not be ready day one or game one, but I think by October, November, he could be helping Auburn on that field. And, if you look at a kid that's six foot and 300 or so pounds, you know, he's not an NFL tight end. Uh, he's maybe an NFL fullback, but there's not that many guys in the NFL that are playing fullback. But you put that size and that athleticism at defensive tackle, and he's a guy that maybe could have an eight or 10 year career in the NFL if he continues to develop. And so I think it's the right move for him, and I think it's going to eventually be the right move for Auburn. Thank you for listening to the War Report Podcast. You can support us by visiting our merchandise store. You can find links to the merchandise store on Facebook and the About section on our YouTube channel. 
If you would like access to more premium content, visit us on YouTube and click join to become an insider. War Eagle, and now back to more of the show. There's been a, you know, of course, with the whole NIL, we kind of talked about it. And you you wrote an article early in this week saying that uh, NCAA is still intact, right? This was this was the the big myth that that NIL was going to be the undoing of college football. People are still excited about the sport. People are still looking forward to the upcoming season. Uh, no one has had their wrist slapped. All is fair right now. But is it okay to be a bit concerned about the new challenges that that NIL will present in terms of players potentially losing focus. Uh, we're seeing what some of these deals these kids are making. Um, of course, we talked about Masterpiece on Hersey Miller uh, at Tennessee State signing his deal, but he he comes from a you know a, a pretty good family. But you want to have some of these kids get some deals, and they may not have the structure in place. They may not have the the foundation behind them to keep them level headed. What kind of issues or concerns you could see coming along with NIL that coaches perhaps may not have had to deal with in the past? Well, uh, number one is compliance. Um, the coaches don't really have any say-so in what these kids do. Um, it, it basically goes through their representative or their parents or through them. Uh, so, you know, what if they make a deal with somebody they shouldn't have made a deal with or, or they make a bad deal? Mm. Um, or if they make a deal that for some way puts them uh, ineligible? I think that's all things that coaches are going to be concerned about, um, especially as you know we sort of wade through the beginnings of this, where it's not really set in stone what is going to be allowed, what's not going to be allowed, and you know what's going to change here in the next two or three years. So I think early on uh, there are going to be some things that crop up, or there are going to be some you know some issues with it. But um, and I'm sure some things are going to surprise me, right? So I'm I'm sort of downplaying a little bit, and maybe I'm wrong about maybe you know there will be some. You know, some hanky-panky going on, right? Right. Um, right. But, I mean, the biggest surprise for me, I guess, for starters, is just how much money, first of all, some of these, um, you know, not necessarily girls, but they are girls. They're the, the two twins from uh, Fresno State. And, uh, you know, they're going to make between $1 and $3 million because they have so many TikTok followers and Instagram followers. And the um, they're talking about the gymnast from um, LSU being worth around $3 million per year because yeah. of all her followers. Oh. I mean, that to me is amazing. I can remember when Twitter came out and I was thinking, eh, yeah, I don't know if I want to really get on Twitter, you know, social media, who cares? Yeah. Right, right. It's right. a must so. now. I think that one of, one of the things that coaches are going to have to deal with is, is that you have athletes and an athlete's life is class, practice, study hall, and there's very little time. Now what you're doing for some athletes is you're throwing sponsorship obligations on top of that. That's right. Right. And That's a good point. Real they're good becoming point. Uh, uh, they're becoming small business owners. Yeah. Right. They're forming LLCs and they've got this new thing that they have to manage. And what you're going to see from Harson, mark my words, is, is that he's not going to let any off the field thing that he doesn't have control over become a distraction on the field. So if you are capitalizing from NIL, I, I commend you. I'm all about it. Right. But, but you just have to remember what comes first because it's your talent that's made the opportunity for you. And right. if you are talentless or you are not, or you get benched, your name is worth a whole lot less. Yep. yep. Right. And somebody, somebody mentioned Suni Lee on the, on the chat. Yeah. She's going to make a lot of money. The Auburn future Auburn gymnast, Olympic mm-hmm. uh, gymnast this, this yeah. summer. Yeah. 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 She's yeah, going to be one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, coaches are going to have to help guide athletes through this process where we want you to get what you deserve, but you still have an obligation to the team. And, you know, I, I really think this presents pro style problems at the collegiate level. Yep. I, no, I agree that. And that's a, you know, you got the coach wanting to be in control, mm-hmm. but he technically has no control over him. all this stuff. So that that is going to cause some clashes so to speak that's a really good point that's something i need to think about myself a little bit more because uh, especially a guy like harson uh that could certainly affect um his relationship with certain players or or or, or, or you know playing time or how things go throughout the season well i wanted to ask about holden help me say his last name right is he right yeah. here Reiner? Right um, I, I just i, I don't know holden g, <laughs> holden yeah. g. He's our qb in the in the 22 class 
he hit the elite 11 camp and i mean he got to go to the elite 11 right. camp so that's the first in a while actually i think uh sean white was the last qb we got that that went there and he won it um he has been recruiting for us hard and he seems to be that i'm in the pocket i'm making throws i'm gonna be accurate qb is this pretty much the blueprint for what Harson wants a QB is Demetrius Davis going to be kind of like the outlier from a, a, the last regime. And are, are we just going to be going for pocket passing big, tall guys from here on out at QB? Well, you know, they were um, finalists or, or one of the final two or three for the, the kid that ended up committed to Georgia. Who's a, a big time dual threat quarterback. So I don't think necessarily um, that Holden is going to be just a pocket passer, the same, blueprint for every quarterback they sign. I just think it's a matter of them putting evaluations on kids and ranking them and taking the best guy they can get. And I think that was Holden. I think he was probably their number two or three guy. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think they're really pleased with that overall. If you look at some of the top quarterbacks that signed with the Georgias, the Clemsons, the Alabamas, and, and, and such around the Southeast. Um, and I think, um, you know, as far as his Elite 11 performance, I think it was just a little inconsistent. Mm-hmm. But I also think... You know, they have a big group of kids out there, and it seems like the focus is usually on the top guys. And and some of the other guys maybe don't get enough attention or enough, you know, opportunities to really move up and show what they can do. I'm not, I'm not making excuses for him, but I, I, think, um, I think in his case, he is a pocket passer. He is a guy that um, has a strong arm, and he is a guy that's going to succeed if he can be really accurate, consistent, and smart and make good decisions, that type of guy. I think that's how they see him. And we'll see. And I wouldn't rule out Demetrius Davis. I love that kid. Yeah. Great at, great attitude. Um, sure, he's undersized, but he's got a pretty strong arm. He made that one nice throw in the um, A-Day game. Yeah, the best. I don't remember who it was, too. Yeah. It was the Malcolm Johnson Jr. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, caught it over his shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I, I think he's a playmaker. And um, I think in the spring, you know, he's just learning things and maybe holding back a little bit because he wasn't playing. He was thinking a lot. Right, uh, but I think by the time he gets through summer and gets into uh, you know two days, no, not two days anymore, but uh, preseason oh, practice, yeah. he'll be able to compete more, you know, and just go out there and play ball like he knows how to do. I mean, he's a winner too. He won two state championships, and I think they lost in the semifinals or finals his senior year against a really good team. I mean, I, I just love that kid. Mm. All right, before we close out, uh, Brian, I, w- I do want to address a few questions that have come through. Rapid fire, your thoughts. Uh, what are your thoughts on Drew Bobo? Where is he leaning? I think coming off of his visit to Auburn, Auburn's a team to beat. I think he was really, really um, pleased to earn that offer from Auburn. He obviously has a, a long uh, time uh, relationship with Will Friend, who's been with Mike Bobo a lot. Uh, so I think it's a great fit. Um, he's listed as a tackle. I think on Rivals, he's probably a guard. But I think he's a guy that red shirts and it probably plays uh, two or three years. Um, so he's definitely a guy. I, I, pretty high on a guy I think Auburn's in pretty good shape for uh, mm. in the future. Who's your 2021 defensive breakout player? Mm, breakout player. It's got to be a defensive lineman, right? Because the secondary seems pretty set with all the new kids coming in. Linebackers definitely set. Um, I'm going to go out on a little bit of limb and say uh, – Derek Hall, maybe, or okay. Chandler Wooten. Chandler Wooten. Chandler Wooten was probably the biggest surprise to me in the spring because, mm-hmm. um, you know, he set out a year. When I watched him play before, I thought he maybe was a step slow, just my opinion at the time. But then I watched him in the spring, and he's running all over the place. He's making plays, and then we hear for through, you know through the staff that he had a great spring. Uh, so he's a guy that I think is going to play a lot more, maybe be an impact player, maybe put him on the edge a little bit. Uh, so he's a guy to watch that people aren't really talking about. And I think Derek Hall, when you just see him on the football field, he just looks like a football player. Mm. So, I, I, you know, it's his third year now. Auburn desperately needs an edge rusher, right? And, I, you know, I just got a feeling he's going to be the man. We'll see. I'm curious to see what Ramilla. He looked pretty impressive, too, in the spring game, Ramilla Height. So yeah. uh, I, I'll be excited to see any type of uh, guys coming off the edge. We haven't had that in a long time, so it's long overdue. 2017. I got injured coming out of the spring. Yeah, um, yeah, he got injured. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, last, one last question. Any commits that we... There's <laughs> only five. So, are there right. any commits that we have that could potentially move up a star? Well, uh, I, it's good to see Mike already a four-star because I think that's, you know, at least what he is for sure. Um, I'm trying to think here. Um, 
you know, I, I don't think we have the kicker even um, He's not ranked. ranked yet. So yeah. I, I think he'll, you know, usually the top kicker in the country might get a four star, but a lot of times they get no higher than three stars. Mm. If I looked at the class, I think both Powell Gordon, especially, even though he's probably not going to get a bump, I think he's really underrated kid. He's a football player. He's going to be, uh, he'll probably be a middle linebacker, but he could potentially be an edge guy. I really think that highly of his um, athletic ability and his playmaking ability. Um, and then Jarrell Stinson is so fast. Um, the only issue with him is he's about 5'10". So it's hard to see him you know, making a big jump up the rankings unless he has just a crazy senior season. But he certainly has the ability to play above a three-star rating just because of his speed and uh, because he can impact special teams too and not just, not just be a, a, a really good cornerback. Well, guys, we appreciate you with your questions. Uh, of course, we gotta we gotta get out of here uh, due to time constraints. But we appreciate you guys jumping on and, and hanging out with us. Thanks again to you, uh, Brian, for taking time to hang out with us and uh, answer some questions and, and hang out with the War Report fam. So, want well, to thank everybody for coming, Brian. Thanks for being with us tonight, man. Man, I appreciate. It. I really enjoyed it. It was a great first uh, first uh, time here. I ho- hope hope you all be back sometime in the future. Most, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, don't worry. Awesome. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Listen, before you guys log off, I see some of you guys jumping off already. If you haven't already, please be sure to share this video using hashtag get your weight up. Like and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. If you haven't already, what in the world are you doing? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the War Report. We're actually on TikTok at TW Report. That's it for now, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. It is always War Eagle. War Eagle.